You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Welcome to Accidental Hope Podcast, a community that seeks hope and healing from a faith perspective. My name is Jennifer. And I'm not an expert, but I do share life experiences because I believe it will help someone else. So get ready to open your heart, laugh, cry, and receive. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, guys. I'm so glad you're here with Axonal Hope. I have a new friend, and this is a little bit different format, but I want you to welcome today Bryn Johnson. She is my new friend all the way up in Washington State. Say hey, Bryn. Hi, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I So, guys, this is just like two friends sitting down to talk. I mean, I hope that you pull up a chair and your cup of coffee and talk to us and listen. We're just going to invite you into it might be uncomfortable or awkward or just because it's a difficult subject. Mm -hmm. But know that our hearts are, we're just two, two moms and two friends who have experienced grief in a completely different way and trying to learn from each other, which is awesome. So Bryn, so nice to see you. It is so nice to see you too. I've loved like we've been texting and stuff, but it's so nice to see your face and talk to you. Um, And I feel like we do have a lot to talk about. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I can't even really narrow down my questions because I'm like, well, gosh, I have so much that I could ask or want to ask. So I'm just excited to get to know you better and, you know, again, hear about, you know, your experience and where God has led you through your grief. And it's so amazing how much you've overcome and the beauty that you've transpired after your accident. And I do feel like we have so much in common in that way. And it's great to combine forces and be able to share that with our listeners same and I feel the exact same I'm like oh my goodness here are I'll let you tell your story because guys you can't believe and this is supernatural like you know the healing that transpires in grief is always something that I feel like how do you do it without God how do people Mm -hmm. do it without God like how do you have peace and that resolve without God I I can't imagine it I know people do and I'm not Mm -hmm. hating on anybody everybody's welcome to this conversation but I don't know how you do And then when you see what you're about to hear um, between Bryn and we've already heard from Cassie, when you hear their story and you're like, that has to be God, that has to be, that's like out of our normal thinking realm, you know? So tell us a little bit about your story. We are quickly approaching on the six year mark of my daughter's passing, September 19th, coming up the date, the dreaded date. We all have those dreaded dates, don't we? And you know it's there, right? It like it's, it's it coming. Calls yes. to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the anticipation and anxiety is already starting. But anyways, we'll backtrack. I'm a mother of three. My oldest son is Wyatt, and he's nine. My daughter Rowan, that passed, was 17 months when she passed away, but she would be seven. And I also have a four-year-old daughter named Monroe. And uh, my husband Cody and I live in Tenino, Washington. And I've been a hairdresser for. 10 plus years. Um, We've always been a big part of, you know, the community out here and stuff like that. My daughter passed in a tragic accident. And I know for your listeners and actually for ours, my friend Cassie was involved in that accident with me. 
And after my daughter passed away, you know, navigating through our grief together, we decided that we wanted to start a nonprofit in honor of my daughter, Rowan. Fast forward to five years later, that nonprofit has grown and is thriving. And we've been able to help and serve over 330 families with funeral expenses and emotional support after they suffer the loss of a child. Wow. We don't even have like strict age restrictions because we were case by case. And that's always been on my heart from the very beginning. And I can say on Cassie's too, because we never obviously wanted to turn down assistance if somebody was really in need, even if their child, let's say, was fresh out of high school and was 18 or 19 years old. You know, a lot of nonprofits don't offer services like over 18 years old, but we were like, you know, that's still a child. Like maybe they were packing up to go to college that weekend and got in a car accident on the way over. And that has now kind of become a huge part of who I am is really just providing hope and trying to bring faith into people's healings and the little bit that I can do is provide that financial assistance in their time of need because who's prepared for that? You're never prepared to plan a funeral for your child. And I don't think, well, nobody ever thinks about it, but it's, it's very costly. And it's been a huge blessing to be able to provide that for families in need. I also am still a hairdresser. So once I kind of had the nonprofit established and stuff, I'd been able to go back so I can do hair and be creative and do that part-time and that's really fun. And then I also get to be a part of the nonprofit race for Rowan and offer my services in that way. So it's been a huge blessing. Um, Of course, I would rather have the outcome of my daughter to be here with us, but I am so thankful for God's grace to lead us in such a good direction after the accident. Those of you that did hear Cassie on the accidental Accidental Hope podcast. Um, we're still very great friends and she's been by my side the whole time. And she's a huge blessing in my life too, just a dear friend. And I'm sure listening to some of the podcasts that you've recorded, Jennifer, it's a lot about forgiveness. What's really awesome with our friendship is I don't feel like I ever, ever blamed her. So it was never even a question that I had to forgive her. I just, we were already very close and very bonded. And then this this horrible, tragic accident of the loss of my daughter, um, I think bonded us in in an even stronger, more powerful way of like, nobody's ever going to understand what we went through that day together. I just love her heart and I love who she is. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine like your situation and your story, which we'll have (laughs) Jennifer share soon, but I can't imagine that feeling of not having forgiveness. It it hurts my heart for you and for the family on the opposite end of your story. It it really hurts my heart, you know, so it's not always the case. And I don't know how people, you know, go on living with that hurt and that unforgiveness in your heart because it's so heavy, you know? It is, or even just the forgiveness of the situation. You know, Mm -hmm. have you ever like in marriage where you're like, you're stressed at your spouse and you're both stressed. You just want to like fight with each other because you can't. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah. And you're like, why are we fighting? It's, it's a thing in the room that you can't address or you can't fix. And, and so you're fighting, but you're really, it's not each other. It's just that thing that, that you have to accept and that wrestling. And so even in just forgiving of the situation, like one, I love what you're doing because it was my, greatest fear for the other family that they wouldn't have been able to have the funeral that they wanted for Mm -hmm. their dad 
Yeah. So even, even with children, like I still had that fear for them. I didn't know these, I didn't know this family, but I mean, and I, I wanted to help. I wanted to help, yeah. but I wouldn't have been welcome there either. You know what I mean? But I was just right. like, you know, oh my gosh, I was on my insurance and thankfully they were great. But I was like, are we taking care of them? Like, please, I needed to mm -hmm. know, are they okay? You know? And, um, so I love that you're doing that. You're stepping in and being that relief. Um, so that's one less thing that, that a family needs to worry about, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because that was huge. I mean, I did, I was like, are we doing everything we can? Are we, what are we doing? You know, I had heard that there was a benefit dinner for the man and I knew that I wouldn't be welcome. I wanted to go in like cognito. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to go like dressed up just so I could give the money and buy the food. So the money went to his family and I that ended up, so sweet. but I, I didn't, yeah. I would have been a mess, but I, I sent other people in place in my place. Wow. So, yeah. well, that is huge. Wow. Beautiful. It's, it's so hard. You know, it I, is so hard. I was going to say that like after I had time to catch my breath with this, I always said, I can't imagine anything more painful than what I just experienced than losing my own child. You know, before I met yeah. you and Cassie, I cannot imagine anything more painful mm -hmm. in my own brain than losing my own child. You know, so I just know, and I know you can't compare grief. I know grief is grief and pain is pain and we can't compare, but like in my brain, like in my thinking brain, my logical brain. Oh, it's bad. It I'll is. Tell you. And it, it never is. leaves you. Yeah. No, it does not ever leave. And it's rough, really rough. And like you said before, I have seen it done, but I don't know how people get through it and navigate through it without their, their faith. But again, it's such a long, hard road, you know, to do it by yourself. Jennifer, would you share your story with our listeners on Angel Talk too? Yeah, of course. It was, um, my accident will be four years on October 4th. So I'm coming up on my anniversary too. I've already started thinking about mm -hmm. it's coming. Yeah. It'll be here. You know, I'm like, wait, it's already almost August is gone. And then that means there's only one month till. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, um, but and I'm like, I know I've had three and I survived three anniversaries, but I know the fourth is coming and I start reflecting on, it was just a normal day. You know, I was 36 years old. Um, I have four children and we have busy schedules. You know, everybody has things to do. So the boys had swim practice that day and my daughter had volleyball and my youngest just went along for the ride, right? <laughs> because they have different schedules and I have so many and there's only one of me and my husband is a coach. So he's always tied at the football field, you know, so anything else, I mean, he can't get out of practice. That's, you know, what he does. So it's just me and I would tend to have other moms help me. You know, my older daughter who was 12 at the time, her best friend's mom was like, Hey, I've got Katie at the volleyball game. I'm here. I'll bring Katie to you at the boys swim practice at the Y when we're done with the game. And I was like, great. That helps so much. Then I'm not driving back and forth. I'm not having to leave them unsupervised, you know, at swim practice. It just was awesome. You know, I love moms that want to yeah. stick together. And so um, it was a Tuesday. And when, um, you know, I got Dark this. Tuesday too. Dang, that's weird. 
I know. Um, and then when it's, you know, that I get this uh, text from my friend who said, hey, I'm swinging by the house first to let my girls off. Um, they can start getting ready for school for the next day and all those things. And then I'll bring by to bring Katie to you. And I was like, okay, at first I thought, oh, no problem, you know, because I mean, I'm not going anywhere. It wasn't a big deal. She was letting me know because it was going to be a few minutes later than what she had originally told me, you know, mm -hmm. and I had this just sudden thought, this just sudden, weird, overwhelming thought of, and I texted her back and I said, you're already home and I'm out. I'll come get Katie. Don't get back out. Stay with your mm -hmm. girls. I'll just come grab her from your house. And, you know, it never gets easier to think about why that sudden change, you know, because that sudden decision changed everything for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. basically what happened was I just went to go get my daughter from her friend's house. I had been there before, but not a lot at night. And um, it was very dark. And, um, and it's a school night. You know, I just, I hadn't been there enough to like be completely comfortable. I just knew my way to get to her house, you know, and it was country road, grabbed her, you know, she was telling me about her volleyball game and at the exit to that subdivision, there was a hill. It was right on the top of a hill and um, a motorcyclist approached from my left and I, I was just stopped at the stop sign listening to um, Katie tell me about volleyball and um, saw no one, heard nothing and pulled out. And it wasn't until I pulled out into the intersection where, where suddenly I saw his headlight come over the hill and it was too late. Um, wow. so, so he did hit the back of our car. Um, my girls were um, in the car with me. So my 12 year old and my four year old and um, it happened so fast. It even, I didn't understand what had had just happened. Like, cause all of a sudden we just saw a light and then it was like, I expected to be pounded, you know, I expected for this collision and mm -hmm. because it was the motorcycle, I didn't really understand my brain just cause I got so scared from that just flash of light, you know, and yeah. it came out of nowhere. It felt like it came out of just nowhere. And, um, you know, it took me a second to realize what just happened. But as soon as, you know, of course the girls are crying, you know, we're screaming and then I had to leave them and abandon them to go be a first responder and help him and, oh. um, and, uh, and call 911. So I could, you know, hear my girls screaming for mommy and still have to run to him in this dark road and, and help. And I tried and we thought he was going to make it. Um, I think that's part of the heartbreak is, you know, we really thought he's going to make it and you know, he didn't. And, um, man, sorry. No, that's <laughs> it's never not, easier. That's no, it's not. Um, it really is not. It isn't. And, oh. you know, it was not my intention that day. It was not, um, you know, I woke up just like I'd never been in an accident before. I never even really mm -hmm. had a ticket. You know, I wasn't distracted. Just yeah. You know, um, so besides my daughter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, granted Katie was telling me about her volleyball game, you know? Yeah. Um, but is that, it, 
I was very confused. Um, we were barely, um, I think, you know, I, I was at the stop sign. So, you know, I was like, we weren't even really moving, you know, and, and he, he was going the speed limit is what they told me. And, you know, I, I just, mm -hmm. I didn't understand. There were so many things I didn't understand. Um, but there was, you know, an investigation, you know, once he passed away, yeah. there's now this investigation and well, the short version is, um, I went into a very deep depression, um, overnight, overnight, yeah. um, you know, and I was, I don't want to say suicidal, but um, I certainly felt like if something happened. Like you knew what it felt like. Yeah. Right. If something happened to me, I probably deserved it. You uh, know what I mean? I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. Of course, my family didn't understand because mm -hmm. it wasn't like everybody was grieving. You know, in, in, in some, you know, if it's a family member, at least everyone's kind of grieving. They're grieving differently, but they're grieving. I was this alien. I was mm -hmm. grieving and nobody, everybody else was like, what's happening to mom? What's happening yeah. to my wife? Where did my daughter go? Is she going to be able to get through this? Right. Um, it was probably so foreign for them too. Like they couldn't comprehend or understand what you were going through. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they probably want to fix and help. Right. Um, but it's really hard to do that because nobody can really help you. You have to help yourself. Right. Uh, man, I thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. I know that wasn't easy to talk about. That's hard. So hard. I think what's interesting is we don't talk about it. You know, there wasn't mm -hmm. anyone who I could find ever willing to talk about this um, beforehand other than just bashing. And I was guilty of that, but bashing these situations and wanting uh. to get mad and blame and, um, you know, everybody's fault is everybody's fault, you know, and yeah. never, ex never had the opportunity that I am aware of really to hear the compassion side of it. The person that wants to try and step in someone else's shoes. And I would never want anyone to come into any of our shoes, your shoes, mm -hmm. Cassie's shoes, my shoes, um, his children's shoes. I mean, um, you wouldn't w wish it on your worst enemy, you know, but yeah, this is, uh, this is, these accidents happen every single day. They're not always someone's fault. Right. Sometimes they are, but even if they are, these are just tragedies. Horrible all, accident. Right. Yeah. And all we can do is try to make the best of our pain to help the next person. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, and it's still weird. Like, at least <laughs> I feel like yours is received a little bit better when I try to say, well, I want to try and help people that accidentally kill someone. <laughs> it's not usually, oh I mean, but that's where my heart is. I mean, we still yeah. need community, you know, so if you're listening to this, you're going, wow, this is weird. It is, but it's because God is so good and faithful that mm -hmm. he is giving, allowing Bryn's heart to be softened to receive my message and hear this side of it. Yeah. But that's well, a short I, version. No kidding, right? I know. <laughs> right? Like, how, yeah. how do you tell these stories within five hours long? But that did trigger some questions for me um, because I know, obviously, being friends with Cassie along our, in our story, along our journey, we both experienced a lot of trauma along with our grief after the accident. And that was really hard to overcome, like the PTSD mm -hmm. and... Um, 
I mean, all the things that come with grief, like your anger and your depression. And yes, I totally felt that same way where you're like, you feel like, you know what it's like to be suicidal. But again, I would never, I would never take my own life because I had to be here for my son and for my husband and to be a rock for my family. So I can totally relate to that feeling when you do feel hopeless. But really one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if you also struggled with, and I think we've talked about this before in our own private conversations, but with like nightmares and PTSD and um, the things that accompany trauma. Um, did you experience that after your accident? And, and how did you start to overcome that? Um, absolutely. And I didn't know it was PTSD, you know, because you mm -hmm. think PTSD, you think a soldier, you know, you yeah. think at law enforcement. And I didn't know that I was experiencing grief. It took six weeks before I had these diagnoses of wow. whatever. So I was just barely making it for the first mm -hmm. six weeks. Um, it's just in total shock. Yeah, there was no sleep. I, I was um, afraid. I wanted sleep, but it couldn't mm -hmm. stay asleep, couldn't fall asleep. And then once I fell asleep, I did have nightmares. I did have reoccurring dreams. Um, things like uh, being stoned. Um, like, uh, But it, it was like walking out of my house and people with pickets and throwing things at me and I just would kneel down. I would just kneel down and take it. Um, so that happened a lot. Um, sometimes it was just this weird dream where I would be at the stop sign again. And this time I would know he's coming. So I'd sit and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd be like, okay, he's coming. He's going to come. And I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'm just waiting and then he doesn't come. So I had that nightmare. I would see shadows of the bike sometimes, or like if I saw a flash of light, you know, when you're like in a dark room, but then like a car drives by and you see that light kind of just come in briefly, it mm -hmm. would be um, triggering for his uh, headlight that that fell and started dangling. Um, his Harley, like the light kind of broke off and it dangled. And, um, so those things would trigger me, you know, um, yeah. uh, wow. There's so many. I know. Right. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Sometimes he would open his eyes and talk to me because I was trying to keep him alert. You know, um, I'd re-see the scene. I would rehear my daughter screaming for me. Um, mm -hmm. But, so I would desperately want to sleep, but then when I did sleep, it was horrible. It was very hard. Um, and I did this for weeks and months, months. Um, what helped me, I think, the most was um, I eventually at some point decided to take power over it, and this took probably good two months so after I had started counseling where I just started to journal. Mm -hmm. So if I couldn't sleep, I'd go sit in my closet and I would just write out all the nightmares. I would write out all the thoughts, all the fears. Um, I'd try to pray. I couldn't really pray. I'd try to read my Bible. I couldn't read my Bible. Um, I just listened to scripture and I would just write all it, all the fears out. It wasn't even, yeah. it isn't even legible. It was just a way yeah. to just get what was in my thought process till I just was done and I just let everything out. And I would do this over and over again every night. 
Um, wow. Then I started doing things like melatonin, Tylenol PM, um, sleepy time tea, lavender oil. <laughs> yeah, I got, I did all that too. You got to take like, anything you can. Right. And people are like, and I'm like, guys, this is not enough. And so at some point I got desperate, tried to go to the doctor and was like, give me something. And they were like, Jennifer, you need to feel this and experience, you need to go through this grief process. This is when I finally got the grief. And um, because I was like, just give me an Ambien, you know, whatever, whatever you need to give yeah. me to work, just shut it down. I need to shut down. I don't want to remember what I think about at night. And my doctor was so good because that's, I wanted something to fix me. And it, mm-hmm. and, and it really, it wasn't, I think that was the greatest gift he gave me was to say, uh, to monitor me, but say, well, I'm not going to get this pill. There's not a pill that'll fix this. There's not yeah. a glass of wine big That's enough not. that will fix this. There's not anything that I can give you that will fix this. It's just working it out in time. And, um, and I still, to this day, you know, I do the pillow app and, um, I take melatonin, um, and I'm about up to about five hours of sleep. Good for now. you. I know. Um, my f- sleep quality, my husband is really funny because he'll be like, I got 80% sleep quality. And I'm like, I got 62. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, got, you know, it's better. It's better. Yeah. I, I did do something that I do recommend. Um, you know, I know EMDR is really helpful therapy, but I did what's called. Um, neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is so interesting to me too, because I'd never heard about it until you had mentioned it. Yes. So please share a little bit about that. Neurofeedback is a, a, a less invasive um, self-treatment. I mean, you can go to usually facilities, but you can even rent the equipment. And basically you put these sensors to your head and it gives your brain a mirror anytime we can't sleep, usually it has to do with neurologically what's happening. You know, every thought you have is a chemical reaction in the brain. So your thinking is chemical reactions that are happening. And when you have, that's what, you know, these chemicals, if they're very negative, you're, you're starting to change like, you know, the acidity in your body, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're changing how you eat and your gut, you know, which also affects it. I mean, our bodies are like amazing machines, you know, and with trauma, the brain doesn't really know what to do with trauma. Sometimes it feels like it just kind of bounces, especially if you don't have a logical answer. And so a lot of times my brain was like on, it was stuck kind of like when you have lots of windows open on your computer and I was just trying to figure out why I didn't see him. Like, I was like, there had Uh to be a logical reason. Like, why? Why could I not see him coming? Um, and, and And we believe that if we tried to reenact this, we may not ever even get an exact replica of that situation. Like, it had to have been a one in a whatever chance that that happened. Like if he was off a few seconds, if I was off a few seconds, this mm-hmm. collision wouldn't have happened. He literally hit the very end of my car. Um, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird. The whole thing, it's just weird. Um, yeah. But 
you know, just trying to understand why this happened. So when my brain couldn't give myself a logical answer, even though I was consciously thinking about wishing I could sleep, my brain, my subconscious was still trying to recreate scenarios to come up with this answer, you know, and mm -hmm. the neurofeedback gives you a mirror to your brain so it can rewire your brain. It can help direct and put a place kind of like EMDR. You, you put a place for that memory um, to where it's not so in the forefront or present where you don't have those, um, those uh, physical responses like fight or flight or adrenaline pumping constantly. I mean, yeah just pumping constantly. Like you're probably hyper vigilant with your other kids, you know, noises and where's the baby and, you know, where's my kids and I can't have this happen again. We can't have this happen again. You know, I can't go through this again, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, but neurofeedback helped a lot. I take my melatonin faithfully. I thank God for every, you know, every inch forward, you know. Wow. That's amazing. I am. Um, I'm really interested in that. Not necessarily for myself anymore, because I don't feel like I need that at this point in where I'm at. But mm -hmm. um, I am excited to share this with some of our angel families that may be suffering from like the trauma and the PTSD. And um, I definitely will look into that to see if there's somewhere close by in our area that I can share that with our oh, yeah. um, families. Cause that is just really neat that when you told me about that, I'm like, wow, i never had heard of it. So, um, it's it interesting. Is, it's crazy. And see, I learned about it because I worked with, um, students on the spectrum. So, I mean, it helps mm -hmm. with all kinds of, um, it helps with reflexes. It helps with PTSD symptoms, anxiety, panic. The brain is so powerful. It's just amazing and it wants to it wants to heal our bodies yeah. want to heal you know if we give it that opportunity and um but the journaling of course helped too if you're looking for something that doesn't you know cost money or require insurance you know the journaling helped putting it out there speaking yeah. out having a trusted friend or you know certainly helped too great advice uh, how what what did you do like what what helped you in those first few months after the accident? I didn't take the um, healthy route. <laughs> I didn't sleep for quite a while. And again, just like you, I was terrified to fall asleep because I had such horrific nightmares that I would obviously wake up from them. But I think you're so, and I mean, a lack of better words, uh, messed up, you know, really recently after you suffer a loss or you go through a tragedy like that, or you're in a very traumatic situation, your mind's so boggled anyway. And then to top it with lack of sleep. I mean, I was makes everything worse. Yeah. Delusional. I was honestly delusional. Yeah. And yeah. I've always been a very um, faithful person and a believer, but I was so distraught and with lack of sleep, I, I would tell my husband that I thought the devil was walking down our hallway to take another child from me. Oh yeah. And no, I would just lay in my bed and pray because that's all I knew what to do. Um, and I would pray that God would let make the devil leave because I'm like, he's already um, destroyed and taken, you know, one child for me and has ruined my life. And I, I truly just, it sounds so dark, but that's where I was. I really just thought like, oh, the devil's just waiting down the hallway to, you know, pluck off another kid. And 
um, I remember the only thing, I'm going to get emotional, but the only thing I could do was pray because you're so sleep deprived and um, you couldn't even see straight to read a Bible verse. So there were times where I'd reach for my Bible and I would read, but I couldn't even make sense of it because my mind was so boggled. Same. And you can't, you can't think straight. And um, I remember me and my husband would just hold each other and cry. Um, And he didn't he didn't have the nightmares as bad as I did. Um, he was on the scene as well, right after the accident, when my daughter was, um, hit by the vehicle in our driveway of our home. Um, Cassie was doing CPR on Rowan and I ran up to get my husband and wake him up because he had worked graveyard the night before. Um, so he was sleeping during the accident, but I woke him up a few minutes after to come down. And, and when I woke him up, I was just covered in blood and, he was so confused, obviously, to be woke up like that. Like, what's going on? And I just kept screaming, it's Rowan, you need to come. And then, um, you know, he suffered from obviously some nightmares and some major trauma from the event itself as well. But I don't think he had the nightmares and the lack of sleep as much as I did. I don't know why, but I feel like men usually can sleep better. <laughs> or is that just right? I don't, I don't know. know. I, He's yes. snoring and I'm like, how are you asleep? Right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I, I agree with that. you on that. But there's just layers. There's so many layers to this trauma, mm-hmm. to these traumas. Like I said, we wouldn't wish this on our worst enemy. There, there are. No. And the visual part of it and the just trying to make sense of it. That's why there is that PTSD. Like, even though I know I'm not a soldier, I'm not comparing, please, you know, don't, I don't want you to hear that from me. I did, I've never, I appreciate mm-hmm. people who risk their lives for our country and our freedoms or law enforcement, but that's where that part of the brain, it fragments, it literally fragments your brain and your memory it's not our every day. We're not prepared for that situation. That's not normal to suddenly see these things. And the brain doesn't know what to do with it. It really doesn't. It doesn't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. There's so many. It was oh, It's awful. And like even. Um, so like movies affect you differently. Commercials yeah. affect you differently. Jokes and words. Like I can't say like, oh, I'm a total wreck. Like I can't say certain words. Um, like, oh, I can't driving i'm sure yeah driving um even even when i was awake like i remember anytime i would peer out my window i would see the scene of the accident out the window every time i looked because it obviously happened at our home i cannot imagine did y'all have to move i can't i can't no i still live in the same home and um wow i that was a really hard thing for us to decide because obviously a lot of people are like, how did you stay there? You know? And I did have many moments where I was like, I don't know if I can be here. But at the same time, my only memories of my daughter were in this home. Right. And beautiful memories. Like and you she don't want to forget her life. Yeah. I, I see mean, that. We have three beautiful children that came home to this house right. and we, um, this was the first home me and my husband bought together and raised our family. And when, when I was during the grieving process, thinking of that, I thought how many amazing memories I'd be leaving behind versus obviously one absolute horrible, the worst, but you know, I mean, my daughter took her first bite of food here. She took her first steps here. I brought her home from the hospital here. 
um, all of it. And we've, we're still here. I love my home. Um, it's the beauty I from ashes. It really is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I can look at the window now and not see the accident. I mean, I can, if I'm talking about it, but <laughs> I, I love our home. So yeah. I, I do think it is a lot of mind over matter when you're healing and choosing to see the good. Like I love my home for the memories that we made here with our daughter. And I'm not saying we'll stay here forever because we have talked about moving at some point, but I know when we do, it's going to be really hard to close this chapter because I'm so emotionally attached to it. And her room is still pretty much the same as far as not, it doesn't have her crib in it anymore because um, our daughter that we had after Rowan passed away, she obviously has Rowan's old room. Um, but all of like Rowan's decorations are still in there and like her toys. And then we've just added Monroe, our youngest daughter's things to it. So I call it the girls' room. It's not just Monroe's room. It's the girls' room because I haven't even had, I guess, it's not been the right time for me to start taking things down or, you know, I just add things to her room. So it's both of theirs. But yeah, I'm really attached, I guess to the home now. So, and that's something different for my husband as well. I don't think that men always get the um, sentimental attachment like we do when it comes right. to silly things like that. Cause he's, he's actually wanted to move a few different times. Like, you know, just take different opportunities that might come along. And I'm like, well, I am not ready for that. Right. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, I guess we'll talk about this maybe in a few more years. I'm like, right. okay. Because <laughs> it'll be another grief process. You know, oh, you, I sure. totally get it. You, you know, you have her little steps in certain places and her, her part of her feels still there, you know, and, um, oh, for sure. and so I know, I don't want to, if this is weird, you just tell me, but like I know, I know that when I've um, revisited the scene a couple times, mm -hmm. um, I felt the closest to this man I never knew, and I don't get to go back. And it is very haunting, and it is very scary to go up that hill um, to where that subdivision. I've been back maybe, maybe twice in four years, mm -hmm. and um, no, three, three times, and but it's still like this sacred place. Yeah. So I can imagine for you, it would be the same thing. It'd be like a sacred space, even though it's your driveway, but in some ways, like you feel like they're there. I don't want to get weird. <laughs> I know. Well, it is weird. It, it is weird. I've just learned that it might not be everybody's time to hear the weird things that come out, but it's real and it's raw. And, I can't talk um, about this with everybody because they'll be like, yeah. uh, that's a little weird. That's a little out there. That's yes. But, <laughs> but I know, feel I like other people can kind of feel that, that there's something sacred about that space. I don't want to visit it very often and it's very traumatic mm -hmm. when I do, but, but I don't have any good memories to help me either. Right. You know? Right. So. For me, uh, like our home still just feels like she's a part of it, everything we do. So like, I just feel like she's still with us every day here. And um, thankfully I'm to a place now where I don't even think hardly ever about like the actual accident itself. You know, it's finally to a place where it's not in my mind 24 seven. I can, that part is, I think I've healed from that. So to me, like this is her home, just like it is my other children's home. And I guess probably the closest with 
her when I'm, when we're here home as a family. And does that make uh, sense to you too? Cause that's so, I know. yeah. Wow. I don't okay, think good. that would be the case for everybody. Cause I know that, you know, everybody grieves differently and heals differently. Um, so obviously I don't think that's the case for everyone, but that is, I definitely, yeah, I just feel like she's home with us just like the other kids. Just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Wow. That was a good little tangent that we went on there. Isn't that, cr- I mean, but I've always yeah. been afraid to tell people that, like it, you know, cause I don't know how it's going to be received that, mm-hmm. that I feel like I, you know, like not that his spirit lingered there. Cause I don't believe any of those things. I believe that, no, God, I, I believe that, and you know, maybe this is a good segue into what we had talked about bringing up like signs, like I believe mm-hmm. in my whole full heart that his name was David, that David is in heaven. And I believe that because when I was just at one of my lower points, you know, it's like you get low and then you find new levels of low. Um, but I remember just being at a very rock bottomish point and God giving me a vision of David in heaven. And I had this, yeah. And I had That's this beautiful. I had this beautiful vision of almost like a, a sunset. I painted it. I'll send you the picture. And it was David driving his motorcycle into the sunset that he never felt the pain that I thought he did that, um, you know, we were trying to do these things in the real world in real time, but God had already taken him and freed him from pain, from unforgiveness. He was at peace and in heaven and, I can't explain fully how I feel that, but I feel it so much that it, it gave me peace to really be able to function differently and to work towards my own healing. So come back next week and listen to part two of Bryn's story as she shares her vision of her daughter Rowan in heaven. Thanks so much for joining. Bye. Thanks for listening to Accidental Hope. Remember the sea cope and share it. Come back next week. Bye. Happy Music number seven brought to you by scottholmesmusic.com.